0: To another episode of the Tabletop Inquisition podcast, where we have a really exciting list lined up for you. So, myself and Oliver um, have been putting our heads together to see what games we think you can play in sixty minutes or less. Yes. How did you find the challenge?
1: Well, um, this was an interesting one. I think I think this one I found easier than the thirty minutes or less because I guess I play more games that are taking longer. So. Once we do the series about, or the episode about 60 minutes plus, I think I should be all right. But yeah, this one I found easier. <laughs> what about you? Did you struggle with any mm-hmm. of those categories?
0: Oh, I definitely regret many of the categories I made for the smaller <laughs> games um, because as you may remember from our previous episode, I invented the categories based on the games i chosen I could play in 15 minutes or less. Yeah. Um. So now it's given me a bit of a task um, that we're going to the bigger, longer, perhaps even meatier games. Yeah. Um. So as as we did in the last episode, I hope you will play along as well at home. I think I was really enjoying Board Game Bingo Um, where we want you to give us um, your answers to each section. What game would you have chosen? And more importantly, if you think we're right or you think we're wrong or is there something else we've left out, we want to hear from you. Definitely. Um, So we had lots of fun with people's answers um, from the last time around. So we definitely want to hear yours this time.
1: Definitely. And we've we've added them to the website as well. So you can check out what other people have said. Yes. And we will add your list if you, you know, join us, tweet us or Mm -hmm. go on the website and comment there. Contact us. We'd love to hear what you've come up with. And in fact, speaking about categories... So for this one, we've actually added a third category right at the end, but we'll we'll get to that when we <laughs> get to it. It's a surprise! Because I think now we get to longer games, there's, you know, some categories don't quite fit anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Just imagine a dexterity game that's going to last two hours. <laughs> mm, I don't know whether we're, we're going to go there. We shall see. There probably is one, I don't know. Oh, I but anyway, we'll stick is. to this, this one 60 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. We've got our, well, 13 c- categories this time. Yep. So, Antoinette... Mm-hmm. Do you want to make a start? And I think we'll we'll take turns as we did last time, one game each.
0: Okay, absolutely. That makes loads of sense. So, um, right. This was hard. I'm not going to lie. But it turned out I accidentally had something really good that fit into the cooperative game section. So games you play as a group or a one versus many type of game. And these, I don't know, they're just not games I normally play a lot of. Maybe it's because there's only two of us and co-op games don't. I don't know, or also yeah. perhaps the fact that my husband's very much the alpha gamer who likes to take charge of everything. <laughs> so for me to have a co-op game in my collection, it means it's got to be incredibly special. Um, and there's no doubt this is incredibly special. And this is Aeon's End Ooh. Um, from indie Card and Game. So Aeon's End is a deck building game that you play cooperatively where you and your team of friends in kind of a fantasy setting take on some kind of monster. Um, So the cool thing, of course, about deck builders is that, well, yes, you're building your own deck, but each character starts with kind of a different set of abilities and you're going to build your deck in particular ways. So you'll buy cards as the game goes on, put them in your deck to make your deck better and then try and take down the monster. Um, Now, because you do it as a team, there are a lot of cards that interact with other players um, and those are really fun and interesting. And what I like best about this game is everyone is kind of doing their own thing right so it's not oh you should do this on this turn and you should do this so much as in you're building your own engine right. but then you're using your engine to help each other and achieve the same goals so it doesn't feel as kind of i don't know i don't know what that word is <laughs> as controlling maybe as other yeah, cooperative yeah. games this one leaves you feeling quite independent Um, the cards are interesting and fun I love that there's a whole range of characters there are loads of male and female characters to choose from which I really appreciate and each monster is unique and crazy and weird and does its own special thing and they really feel like a challenge I think it's quite a, a, not a tough game but it's one that you definitely fight to win at Okay. So, um, so that's Aeon's End. Um, not only one of my favorite co-op games in under um, sixty minutes, but it's probably one of my favorite card games in that range as well.
1: <laughs> right, so, <yeah. laughs> so we might hear it again later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think I could double things no, up. No, I have no. to come up with something else. Was no, I agree. Unfair. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a tough bit for <laughs> You don't want to double up any games. So, if you're playing a long co-op games, no. can you think of anything? 60 minutes or less. Mm. And Aeon's End, I've it's never top. played it, but it does sound very exciting. You know, Deck builders are the sort of games that I mm. quite enjoy as well. And and a lot of them mm-hmm. are quite quick. So having something that's mm. um, not just cooperative, but also something mm. that takes a bit longer to play. And I, I like what you said about yeah. everyone does their own thing. So it's not really this sort of alpha player thing happening so much. Yeah. Um, that's mm-hmm. really nice. And and I've actually chosen a game that tries to do something similar. Um, I think it probably still has potentially the alpha gamer problem but the one that i've chosen is jaws by ravensburger which yes. is sort of competitive a, a cooperative and competitive game at the same time because mm-hmm. what you're doing in jaws if you've seen the film or if you've heard the you know what it's all about it's obviously the white shark that's terrorizing the small village the beach and all that and then eventually the uh, heroes go out and, and try and kill it is yes yeah, so what it's about is is one of you is actually the shark and the rest of you play the three characters and okay there's no choice of female in in this one it's it's obviously Mm. based on the film so there's there's only so much you can do but the the rest of you work cooperatively trying to kill the shark and i quite like that part of it so if if you have a games group where one of you just doesn't get on with cooperative games and and in our games group i know there's one person who who doesn't like it jaws might be for you because that person could play the shark and the rest of you play cooperatively together but you do have that issue with um, yeah Alpha Gamers because it's all on the board. It's all visible apart from the shark who's basically doing hidden movement type things. So if someone sees what the best option is, you will have someone saying, oh yeah, you should go there and then you should drop the buoy here and you should do that and you should do the other. So I don't think it quite avoids that, but I quite like that it's a sort of mix of cooperative and competitive at the same time. And I've actually played both as the shark as well as the um heroes (laughs) or the main characters i say heroes i mean (laughs) whether they survive or not we'll see because you know (laughs) <laughs> it, the shark can win. It is possible. It, you know the, the, the shark, I think probably has a bit of a tough time depending on, on how they get along. but um, depending on who you played with as well, if, if they know you well enough because it's hidden movement really for most of the time for the, for the shark, if the other players you're playing with knows you well, then then you probably find it hard to work out uh, and get away from from all the t- attacks you're getting. But uh, as I say, I quite like that idea of having a competitive and cooperative game all at the same time. And yeah, if you like obviously the franchise of Jaws, then I think you'll enjoy this game. It's it's really well made and all that it fits the whole theme. So, yeah, cooperative game, um, six minutes or less. Jaws by Ravensburger. Mm.
0: Oh, You've played that before,
1: choice. haven't you, with uh, Brian as well? Oh, I
0: forgot I owned it. Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I forgot I owned it as a. Co- I don't even think of it as a cooperative game. I don't know mm. why. I think it's because it's so thematic. Yeah. I think of that game as a as almost a story game rather than a. Um, A kind of a cooperative one, although it is definitely cooperative. (laughs)
1: Um, I guess if you play only two players, then it's definitely competitive because there's obviously only (sighs) Jaws, the the shark, and then there's the others. So if there's Mm -hmm. only two of you, you have to play it competitively.
0: Yeah, I wasn't a fan of it two-player, Um, but I think that is because who I'm playing against. I think if it was a different individual, maybe it wouldn't have felt yeah. so bad. But it's a game we reserve for groups or when people come to visit. And I think it's one of those great games to pull out for people who aren't necessarily... I want to say heavy gamers, um, mm. people recognize the theme, people recognize, you know, oh, it's Jaws, we'll put on the Jaws soundtrack yeah. and, dun, 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 you know, dun, dun, people dun, dun. are out in their boats <laughs> and finding stuff. Like, it, I think it's a really, really good game. I just think it's just, it fits so many niches all at once mm. yeah. um, and it's fun and that's the best part. Everybody wants to beat the shark or possibly be the shark.
1: Exactly. Um, Such so
0: yeah. a fantastic <laughs> cooperative game. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. fantastic.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and we played it with our neighbours as well, and they enjoyed it. And, and our neighbour actually is yeah. very much into sort of you know thematic, thematics games. And and as you said, he put mm. the soundtrack on and and chose the right bits depending <laughs> on what's happening. So he might you know play the yeah. dun 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 as the sharks turn dun, dun. was was going <laughs> and things like that. So yeah, mm. it's it's fun for that. <laughs> right then, so the game. next category mm. we've got is dice games so if you've chosen a corporate yeah. game please let us know as i say get in touch after the mm-hmm. show after you listen to us um, next yes, one is you... dice games 60 minutes or less what can you think of well i've got a couple of choices but i've i'm going to yeah. go for um deep sea adventure <laughs> by games which is mm. such a lovely game and it does actually take a bit longer to play you think deep sea adventure well i suppose it can mm. be over very quickly uh, depending on, on yeah. how, how often you how many turns and how many rounds you play, you can probably play that in five minutes and, and all of you, you know, don't come back to the submarine. But if you play it as as you're supposed to play it over several rounds, it will definitely take more than thirty minutes. Be still within the 60 minutes. So maybe it's a slide sheet here, um, but I think it, it probably fits quite nicely. And it is a dice game because um what happens in deep sea adventure? Well, you're all divers trying to dive for treasure. So you've got like a track uh, made out of uh, little tiles uh, that are face down. So on the face upside, there's a certain value of, of, you know, basically the treasure. And the further away from the submarine you get, the more valuable the treasure will be. But you're never quite sure because it's all quite random as well. And what you do really, um, you're all diving together from the same submarine and you're all sharing the same oxygen tank as well. So imagine you've got you know long tubes coming back from the submarine, I guess, going to the same tank. And you're rolling dice to decide how far you can move. Now, it's all lovely when you go down into the sea and you're not carrying anything and you're diving, diving deeper and deeper. The dice are absolutely fine. But as soon as you start picking up treasure, your movement is restricted. So what happens then is, depending on how much treasure you carry... The pip values are basically deducted per treasure. And the dice are, even though they're six-sided, they're actually three-sided. So they're they're, you know, numbers one and two and three, I think, appear twice. I don't know, think they're weighted in any specifically specific way. And you've rolled two dice. So, you know, to start with, you roll two twos, wonderful. But as you start picking up the, a treasure, suddenly the two twos are only worth three steps. And as you start picking up treasure as well, the oxygen is starting to deplete. And as you're sharing, all sharing the same oxygen, you obviously have to think about how far you go, whether, you know, some people might decide to return early, but as it's returning with treasure, they start to absorb, you know, use up the oxygen themselves. So you might be further down, deeper in the sea, have longer to go, have maybe more treasure, and more valuable treasure you don't know until the end. But then suddenly you die, as values are say, not worth it, and and then the oxygen depletes, and it all becomes very manic. And I think the very first time people play it, they usually don't make it back to the submarine um, or you know it's, it's just run out of oxygen basically and if you do make it back you obviously get your treasure's worth and at the end of the game basically I think you played a couple of rounds or so you count up how much everyone's got and whoever have got the most treasure or the most valuable treasure should I say um, gets you know wins, wins the game but it's just quite nice lots of dice rolling lots of luck you know of course uh, l- as luck always goes you know if you need the high rolls you always just get the ones and, you know, you don't make it back in time mm-hmm. and things like that. So little fun game. Oink Games is always, you know, known for these tiny box games as well. And, yeah, you know, you can play it, as say. If, you, if you're really unlucky, you probably play within 15, 20 minutes. But if you play a couple of rounds, it probably takes you a good 30, 45 minutes to to play it through. So, yeah, Deep Sea Adventure, Oink Games.
0: Oh, um, I love the box for that. I think it's super cute with the little submarine yeah. on the, the tiny box. Um. Oh yeah, I didn't realise it could take that long to play. So I have learned something new today. But I always like the idea of that.
1: I think a lot mm-hmm. of people just uh, like play one round and that's it. But I think you're supposed to play like three rounds to just make it make the luck element probably Mm. more even i suppose i don't know and give people a chance to sort of adjust their strategies and it's one of those games that becomes more like a meta game after a while if you play with the same people (gasps) you think okay this person always goes all the way down so this time i'm i'm not going to do that and you know and then think you know do they know what i know that they know and that sort of thing (laughs) so it does it must become fun if you play several times with the same people so yeah
0: excellent oh that's pretty cool right so my dice game um i kind of regret having chose this already because i'll have to explain it okay um and despite the fact i explain board games all the time you know when you've not played something in a little while you're like what exactly was that about um so <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll give it a go for my dice game and it's a really really good one that's why um i have to try and explain it and this is raja of the ganges from hooch bila oh yeah so i was sitting here going what exactly is the game about well, actually, now that I can tell you, and a little bit of a BGG search, um, that the game is about, basically, you are kind of um, nobles in the Ganges area, and what you're trying to do is gain wealth and karma. And how the game works is, yes, you have a number of very cute coloured dice, um, and you will roll them, and they are your workers, and you're going to place them out on the board so that you can acquire, well, wealth and, and karma. Um the trick with this game is that there are two scoring tracks around the outside of the board. Um one which is wealth and one which is karma and you start they start on the opposite sides and as you creep up them eventually they will meet and whenever your wealth meets your karma that's when the winner happens. So it's kind of All like right, a race yeah, game. Yeah. The nice thing about this is you have your own player board which is your estate and you add buildings and things into it and connect roads um and you increase kind of its wealth and things like that um and it helps you get more karma as well um and while yes there is definitely a theme here and the game itself looks beautiful it is very much about putting your dice in places to get things to move up tracks you know it's that kind of feeling but um there's yeah, loads yeah. of ways to change your dice results And I think that's what makes the game really special. You never feel like you're stuck or there isn't something you could do on your turn. Um, And that race part of it, because it doesn't look like a race game. It's like a dice worker placement game. But that part where the first person to have those two meet um, really kind of adds an element of kind of urgency to it. Um, I love all the fun stuff you can do in it like you know your dice can travel up the river to get your rewards you can yeah, kind of yeah. um, go and explore and things like that there's a lot there's lots to it without it feeling overwhelming and it's definitely one of my favorite dice games it's yet again a little bit like Jaws um, anybody I've shown it to has really enjoyed it because it mm. looks a lot more than it is until you sit down and you explain you are like oh that's not so bad it just it looks more complicated because there's a lot to it um but yeah so it's yeah one of my favorite dice games and it's really really good looking and the first player token is an elephant so you can't <laughs> yeah. go wrong with that. Like exactly. a little 3D elephant. <laughs> so yeah. So that's Raja the Ganges from Hootspieler.
1: Nice. I've I've played that on Yakata once or twice because mm. someone invited me. Um I've not really learned the rules. So it, it's a bit, as you say, a bit <laughs> overwhelming if you don't have never actually read the rules yeah, or anything. It is. But it, it does <laughs> so, as I say, it it's it's nice to see all these different things you can do and the different colored dyes. And it just yeah, I I'd yeah. like to, you know, play it for real at some point. Because it does yeah. seem that it's one of those games that actually looks quite interesting on the table as well, and and yeah, dice game definitely. <laughs> there's def- lots of dice involved. Mm-hmm. I can I can uh, confirm that.
0: <laughs> so, this is another game, type of game I don't own a lot of, but I somehow <laughs> snuck something into this. Like there's a amount of these where I read the category and went, no, no, I can't, <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> And then he went, oh wait, 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 maybe there is. Yeah. Um. So this is word games, and. Actually, I had good selections of word games, I think, for shorter times than this. The idea of a word game that goes nearly up to an hour is is almost unimaginable. Um, <laughs> but I have to say, it managed. Um, Renegade Game Studios manage it, and this is Spell Smashers.
1: Oh, nice, So Yeah,
0: yeah so Spell Smashers is, well, I don't know, it's a game with a legacy in our house because my husband almost bought it when we were at Essen. It was on sale somewhere, and he never got round to buying it, and then he regretted Aww. it forever because yeah. you know that one that got away. Um, so I bought it for him for Christmas as a surprise. Yeah, <laughs> so spell Smashers has <laughs> finally made it into our house. Um, it is a word game, but it is like um a dungeoneering word game. Um, so you are building words to kill monsters, and then you get loot in the form of other words, and you go back to town, and you could like rearrange your hand to be able to make better words in future. Um, and there okay. are bonuses from your equipment if you can have certain letters and things in your words and all that kind of stuff like it all it's really thematic for a word game i'm not, I'm not gonna lie it's very well done um, <laughs> yeah. and you go out and you fight all these monsters with your words because we all know words are better than swords and it's just it's fun <laughs> it's actually just it's just really fun it's beautiful as well it's really nicely made you know when you sit down and you play something you're like oh this is just lovely hmm. um it definitely fits that bracket But as usual, with word games, it falls into the terrible problem of, is this a word? Um, Yes. (laughs) Maybe that's why it takes longer. I don't know. But it's definitely a bit longer of a game than most word games I've played. Um, But it's a very fun um, and really kind of light-hearted take on word games. And a nice kind of fantasy mix as well. I think it's an unusual game, but a a good one. So that is Spell Smashers from Renegade Game Studios.
1: I know very little about that game, so it sounds exciting. And as you say, it can't be easy to make a thematic game that is basically about words, but make it about spells. I mean, I suppose, yeah, spells are words. So, yeah, Yeah. I suppose it does make perfect sense, really, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've gone with a similar sort of style game, I suppose, in some ways. And um, mm-hmm. this is also about um, making words out of letters and the problems that come with mm-hmm. that. You know, the, the person who has basically a dictionary in the head, they, they're always going to win because they work it out. And the rest of us who <laughs> don't know that many words um, are a bit more stuck. <laughs> yeah. But what's quite nice about this game is you actually have a lot more flexibility. So unlike something like Scrabble, where you have to use all the letters, in this game, you will actually be able to use every letter you have as a wild card if you need to. And this game is called Hardback by Fowers Games. So it's actually a deck-building game, really. So it's it's a card game, almost. So it could fit into that category. And I had that in that category originally, but I've moved it into word game because I couldn't come up with anything else that fits that category. Like you, I was struggling with that. And yeah, hardback is, you know, is a deck-builder. So the usual thing, I think you've got a hand of 10 cards. Everyone basically stays, starts with the same sort of hand. I think there's only two cards are different or something like that. And then you draw five cards and you try and make a word of it. But as I said, Every letter you can basically turn face down and use as a wild card. So even if you can't think of anything, you can make a you know a, a word out of one letter if you really wanted to, or even of zero letters if you wanted to, and and just use everything as a wild card. The only thing is, if any letter used as a wild card doesn't give you any points or coins or anything. So in this game, uh, cards can either be worth points or can give you money to buy more letters that are in one of those you know usual sort of things. Offer row in the middle, and then different values. And so you have to obviously decide that if you have a high-value card, you obviously do want to use that letter in your word if you can. But if you can't find that you turn it face down, and and you can still make some points this turn. And then over the rounds, you basically build up your deck, try and make you know make the letters more useful and and give you more points. And yeah, as I say, it's it's one of those things where yeah, you if you're very good with words and if you know a lot of words, then you'll find this game a lot easier and you'll probably score a lot higher. But there's other ways of winning as well so you know if, if you get a good deck as well you can sort of go for that and, and potentially outsmart someone um you know getting more points if, if they're not clever enough to get good for the points so i suppose there's a bit more leveling the player but you know like in any card uh, sorry in letter, a word game should i say it is hard <laughs> to find words if you don't know enough words so but it is fun i've, I've played a few times and with different people, and even for me, who is probably not a walking dictionary, unlike uh, one of my friends <laughs> in the games group, I, I you know I, I can at least compete. And um, usually, the scores are quite close at the end of it. So, hardback by Fours Games is a lot of fun. If you like deck building, if you like sort of word games, I think this is one to go for. And I think I've not played the other word version, which came, I think, before at hardback By the sounds of it, though, it was probably the more sort of solid game and and more interesting, I think. So yeah, we have got one
0: Hi. word
1: game each, which is good because <laughs> I was worried if you tick, mm. pick hardback, I didn't have an alternative.
0: No, <laughs> I think was one I'd tough hard categories. to one. <laughs> I, I've not played hardback or paperback actually because they're yeah. from the, the the same designer. Um, yeah. But I'd like to. I think they're 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 ones people talk about a lot. That come up a lot. Although I have heard that the app for paperback is very good. Um, for okay. your phone um, so you can yeah. have word games on the go no less nice. um, but yeah word games are just a tough category i think i, I think they're a tough sell in our house <laughs> <laughs> i think um, but, they're quite, um, quite difficult <laughs> maybe just there's some people who are just better at that i think than others and yeah. they will enjoy you know these kind of games so yeah
1: Word games. Oh, I'm wondering what we're going to do for the next episode when there's more than 60 minutes for a word game. I mean, uh, maybe Scrabble um, will come up Scrabble? for everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It'll
2: have to be Scrabble. Yeah. Yeah, there's only one
0: answer. <laughs> <laughs> or Hangman. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: something that could go on forever
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh good right well we're going to move on to the Mm. next category then which is dexterity (laughs) games so if if you're still with us can you think of Mm -hmm. a dexterity game that lasts 60 minutes or less remember this is more than 30 minutes though because we had 30 minutes or less in the last episode so we were going for between 30 and 60 minutes now ideally and yeah i have come up with one and there's actually quite a few well of those. And it's, I think, one of those games that you think Dexterity, well, you know, last half an hour at most. You know, what, if you think of something like Jenga or whatever, yeah. you know, these these games don't take very long time to play. But I found Catacombs and Castles, which oh, yeah. is actually a game that takes longer because there is a bit more strategy and tactics to it. So if you haven't heard of Catacombs, I think it was the original, but the game I've, I've played is Catacombs and Castles, sort of you know, a later version. You have basically a quite a smooth board, which has on it printed um, sort of obstacle things and, and sort of a home location. So there's is a two-player game. I think at least it's only a two-player game. I don't think you can play it. Well, I think you can break up in teams and things like that. But it's basically got, you know, one side and the other playing against each other. So if there's three of you, I think one side can be, you know, use two players and the other one, one, and, and you can split it up that way. But yeah, so what you're doing, you've got little wooden discs, on the board, um, you, so you set up some uh, obstacles as well. And all you do really, uh, in principle, is flick those discs trying to hit other discs to basically inflict damage. Now, it gets a bit more complicated because each disc is actually represents a character. And that character actually has a deck. Well, I think it's like a handoff card, like three or four different cards, which allow you to do different, do different actions. So when you want a certain disc to be flicked in a certain way you have to basically tap that card to then carry out the action. It's usually a combo thing, so you might first flick just to move, and you're not allowed to hit anyone, otherwise it doesn't count. And then with your second flick, you're allowed to actually inflict damage and do it that way. Or other characters are allowed to move like three times and things like that. So different characters have different sets of cards which allow them to do different actions. And once it's tapped, you can't use that card again. And then once you've gone through all the cards, tap them all, you refresh them, and then you can start again. So there's a bit of planning involved, working out what you want to do. Do you want to just retreat and, and you know get yourself safe? Do you want to move closer to someone? And the problem obviously is all these best laid plans are all undone by a bad flick. So if you're not very good flicking discs around, <laughs> then I think even with the best you know team, if you like, <laughs> you'll probably still struggle because it's all like, yeah, right, I'm going to you know play this card now mm-hmm. because it allows me to attack two people at the same time. And then you flick, and the disc just flies off in the wrong direction, and and you've not inflicted any damage. So there's this mm-hmm. sort of you know mix of not luck, but the dexterity side of it is it is quite strong. But for someone who likes maybe a bit of strategy and tactics, I think I like the card element in it because you do have to think right. If I do this now, and then use that character next, and then do this one after that, and then I might have these actions left. You can sort of see what what the op- opponent still can do, so you can sort of work out, oh, can they still attack me, and who can they attack with, and and things like that, and. Yeah, it's quite interesting. So Catacombs and Castles yeah. is my dexterity game that lasts mm. 60 minutes or less. So between 30 and 60 interesting.
0: minutes. Interesting. Ah, also heard good things about that one. Um, I also love the fact that it doesn't have flick in the title for a dexterity game.
1: Right, yes. I think
0: that's pretty impressive, really. Um, For sure. I was wondering, you know, could you play a game of Clask that would go up to like over half an hour? Maybe if you'd like really good players. Um, yes. Would it last yeah. that long? possibly um yeah i was just wondering about that because i had a really hard time coming up with dexterity games (laughs) um (laughs) but in the end i did manage to think of a a bunch um that's it that i've tried but not played a lot um we had a habit of getting dexterity games and really enjoying them for the one time we played them but then never wanting to take them off the shelf again so i had some really interesting thoughts like um flick 'em up was there um flick fleet was there from Eurodice games as well but i think that's a bit shorter than this um but i settled on the one i know took the longest um and was probably well not necessarily the most fun but i think fits the bill okay flip ships (laughs) oh yeah um from renegade game studios yeah and they all have flip or flick in the title of course yeah yeah um so this is a really interesting one because it's a cooperative um dexterity game Where you are defending Earth, aliens are invading, a mothership has landed, and she's kind of launching out all of kind of the the enemies at you. Um, And so if you remember Space Invaders, where you were the ship at the bottom of the the screen and you shoot up as the enemies come down in rows, it's the exact same idea. So, except you're flicking. (laughs) So you need to flick away the things that are, are gradually creeping towards you because if they hit the bottom, it's game over – or you can flick at the mothership, and if you can hit it right. three times I think it is or five maybe you'll win the game but you have to actually flick inside of it it's a 3D ship you have to get the, okay. yeah, the yeah, flick yeah. inside of um, <laughs> and so yeah you are just flicking things around the place for sure but it takes quite a bit of skill to hit something specifically like you're not aiming in general directions you you need to kill certain things right. and then there's this horrible feeling of we're not doing very well the aliens are getting closer and we're running out <laughs> (laughs) time um and of course because you're doing it together it's really funny because you get to laugh at someone else having a go and mucking it up and then you realize they're on my team i kind of (laughs) need you to be good it's also the game where i figured out that i was really good at killing motherships but only motherships i couldn't hit anything on the board but i could flick it right at the mothership every time so i kind of broke the game a little bit um, but it was really really fun um, and it did in fact take more than 30 minutes to play which was the Good. most important feature for this review yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is flip ships i quite liked it, it was, it's just nice and fun and kind of light yeah very entertaining mm-hmm. i do sort of dimly so, yeah.
1: recall um seeing videos about it and it looked quite fun uh, i think i probably dismissed <laughs> it because it was so much dexterity involved because i like the theme of it yeah. you know the mothership coming down and stuff like that yeah but, i think Mm -hmm. yeah i thought i don't know whether that's Mm -hmm. something i would play a lot so yeah nice
0: i agree yeah we didn't keep it either but it was very fun when when we did play it so yeah it's pretty special excellent so that's dexterity games down word games down dice games down co-op games down we're on to what i thought was the most difficult category although dexterity (laughs) games were close and this is card games
2: yay because
0: yay, as oliver very intelligently said earlier on card games are normally kind of quick things you'll play yeah right Um, so they fitted great into the under 30 minutes category but then of course we have to have a co-op section so aeon's end got robbed away from me as a card game and i had to come <laughs> up with something else and i thought i had way more card games than this i really did um so i was kind of disappointed but I have fallen back on an old, reliable card game. And so I'm going to talk today about Magic the Gathering from Wizards of the Coast.
2: Oh, I course, suppose yeah. it's the original
0: card game. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, well, for those yeah. of you who don't know, um, Magic the Gathering is a relatively old, actually, the world's longest collectible card game. And in it, you could play a variety of kind of... Um, monsters and spells you would duel against your opponent you both start on 20 hit points and you could put creatures into play that would stay around and attack your opponent every turn you could cast spells that would you know allow you to draw cards from your deck or injure your opponents um it had a lot of variety like that and it's set. Each um, there's a variety of colors you can play, which are different styles of playing. So like black cards always drain life. Blue cards um, normally drew you more cards. White cards was for healing. You know that kind of thing. Um, and it's it's been going for ages, probably because it's it's actually very good. Um, it's a read now. If you might if you like your wallet, I probably wouldn't go near it. Um, it is definitely what we call right here, like cardboard crack, because you would right. buy some and then you would buy more. And, and there's always yeah. new cards coming out and there there's all sorts of cool things. There's like dragons and angels and monsters and demons and people. And and it's like, it's a, <laughs> obviously, it's a big thing. Um, but the thing about Magic the Gathering is you could just play it with your friend and you could play, play it in 30, 40 minutes. I think you're, you're supposed to play best of three. There's a bunch of different ways to play the game as well, which is really cool. So you can play with a group of people. You could play in co- competitive tournaments. You could build 100 card decks. You could build, you know, 60 card decks. And there's also, there's right. a lot of variety to it and loads of different ways to play it. Um, and I think Magic the Gathering is that card game that is in a lot of kind of gamers hearts. Some, you've probably all seen it or tried it at some point um so i think it deserves to be listed as one of the i suppose the the best card games you could play in under 60 minutes definitely um the original and possibly the best i don't know i haven't played it myself in a long time because (laughs) i like my wallet um and and i'm scared to go back um i fell down that hole already so we won't go back there but it is a it is a fantastic card game it's still going after all this time it's got to be something to it so, yes, that's Magic the Gathering.
1: Definitely going strong. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, as you say, it's basically the sort of original deck building card battling mm. game that, you know, has been around yeah. for ages. And, yeah, I've heard yes. lots about it. And, you know, mm. a friend of mine said, oh, you should do that. Buy some cards." I thought, well, it's, it's that money factor that's sort of putting me off. You know, if it was just <laughs> yeah. buy a deck and off you go fine but then you have mm-hmm. to buy these boosters oh. and this and that and otherwise you're probably not uh. going to be able to win anyway and it's like yeah, okay <laughs> let's let's leave it at that oh.
0: but all the boosters are the best part when you don't know what you're getting you open them up you're like what is it what is it because it's random what you get in a booster you don't necessarily yeah. know what yeah. you're buying and then you didn't get what you wanted so you buy another one because you know the next yes. one might have it so you open that up and then it just continues <laughs> does, does it remind me destitute. of those sort of
1: sticker books that you used to get like for your f- football or your oh, i don't know yes. star wars sticker books where you buy a pack and you don't know what <laughs> yeah. stickers are in there and whether they're going to you yes. know complete your book or not so <laughs> no. <laughs> at it least is there was exactly an end like inside the feeling. sticker books with with uh, your magic the gathering <laughs> seems to be open-ended so no. yeah it's true <laughs> no but it's, 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 very it's true. definitely worthy worthy you know worthy mention mm-hmm. here so not trying to diss it at all it, it is has a huge Excellent. following and it's still going strong which mm-hmm. you know, not many games have so, been going this long so true definitely. so
0: what are you going to pick i'm curious well, to hear this one
1: i was thinking originally of Keyforge, forge which follows the same sort of lines as magic yes. the gathering so i'm going mm-hmm. to give that a miss actually and i'm going to go okay. for project dreamscape by well I think 12 games, I think, are distributing it. I think it's Undine Studios, yeah. if they pronounce pronounced correctly. Quick shout mm-hmm. out to Sarah and Will Reed here as well, yes. um, who've designed this game. So Project Dreamscape, hmm, how do you explain it? It is a card game, obviously. <laughs> I think that's why it's in the category. Mm-hmm. It, I think it's probably on the lower barrier of the 30 to 60 minutes. It's probably closer to 30 minutes. And, well, what do you do? You basically have a deck of cards and they... Um, well they they all represent a i don't know how to really explain it um, <laughs> it's it's one of sort of you're basically trying to play a sequence of cards next to each other if you can to get points and and the more the longer that sequence gets there's different basically different suits almost on the cards and if you can line them up you know in a in a longer chain you get more points they also then give you um money so you can then buy more cards, like I you know, say, lots of deck-building type games, and yeah, and then they do certain actions as well. So you're allowed to maybe possibly swap cards around or turn them over and and things like that. And it's just it's just one of those yeah, it's it's a bit of a quirky one, and probably would have fit in another category that comes up later. The sort of most unusual games, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it is quite quirky graphics, quite quirky illustrations. And um yeah, as I say, it, it can play in less than thirty minutes, depending on how quickly you play. And I'd say though thirty to sixty minutes is probably more appropriate because it usually takes a little while to work out what you want to play where. And yeah, so you're basically lining up cards and and oh, actually the other things I didn't actually mention is each card is divided into two halves. So it's like depending on which way around you turn it, one side is up and the other one is down, and you're trying to line basically two rows of cards up together so you might have like purple at the top and yellow at the bottom so if you get another card that has purple at the top and green at the bottom you can line up the purples together to make a longer chain but then obviously the bottom chain doesn't quite line up and as I say there are certain actions allowed to turn cards around so you know the bottom becomes top and vice versa and things like that and yeah it is, is that sort of not just lining up the same cards with the same color but because there's two halves to each card you have to sort of work out which ones you want and I say, then you can do one as an action to do other things as well. It's, it's, it's relatively simple. I've explained it very badly, but um, it's, it's good fun and very quirky. And yeah, trying to get away from the sort of normal um, Magic the Gathering type thing. So instead of Keyforge, we've gone with Project Dreamscape, owned in studios. Um, lots Excellent. of fun, I would say.
0: Yeah, you're right. That does sound quite different. Um, the idea of lining things up like that, you know, that's kind of really cool. I've not played it myself, but. Um, I really enjoyed their other game, Oaxaca, hua- hua- which I'm Oaxaca, hoping yeah. I pronounced it correctly. <laughs> Oaxaca, uh, yeah. which I really liked as well. So I assumed that it could only mean um, it's good things. Yeah. Um, cool. No, it's good so. fun.
1: Excellent. Right, then moving on to the next um, category, which is area mm-hmm. control games. Now, yes. area control, I think 60 minutes is probably a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. I think most area control games <laughs> yeah. probably take longer than 60 minutes. so I think we'll probably have more mm. options there in the next episode when we we talk about 60 plus, 60 minutes plus games. And Mm. um, I've chosen Rome by Red Raven Games, which, (laughs) well, Red Raven, obviously, (laughs) if you've listened to (laughs) to our podcast of a bit, you probably know that I like Red Raven Games. I love the illustrations. I love a lot of the games. I mean, Rome is actually quite different to to some of the other games. But if you've played Above and Below or Near and Far or now the latest, uh, Sleeping Gods, you you know the art style. But there's there's obviously other games as well. So I've done um eight minute empires, is it? I can't remember now. Is it eight minutes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was eight minute empires. Yes. And <laughs> um which again is quite different to what, what they've normally, you know I say normally, well, I shouldn't say it because it, you know, Red Raven games has created quite a, diff- a few different games. But the most famous ones are Above Melonian Far and Sleeping Gods, which are sort of storytelling games quite similar. Whereas Rome is about area control. So what you have there is you have a I think it's a three by two grid of cards. Each card is further divided into a grid of three by two. So you end up with a six by six grid of squares, basically. Some of these contain coins, others are just empty. And on your turn, you basically have a set of, well, it's called adventurers, but basically they represent a polynomial shape. And you can tap that character to basically fill uh, that shape on that six by six grid, obviously you can't overlap with other players, and you can't, you know, go across things. Um, and then if you cover up a coin, that gives you a physical coin that you can spend later. And some of these polynomial shapes aren't even continuous. So you might have like two squares here, then a gap of two squares, another one at the other angle. So the shapes aren't continuous, which makes it quite interesting. And you sort of start overlaying the shapes with with whatever is already on the map and you're trying to find you know one that still fits and then you know, once you've done your turn it goes around to the next player and you're actually sitting around the table facing into the six by six grid from different angles so if there's four players you, each of you you know has sits on one side so there's two just opposite and that means obviously your shape and every turn starts with the same deck of cards the same shapes to start with but the other player's shapes will be then potentially 90 degrees rotated because they're facing into it the other way. So it makes it quite interesting. Depending which side you sit on the table, your shapes will have slightly different effects. But you can obviously see what people have, so you can do a bit of planning and work out, okay, they, they can only play there, so I can potentially block them. And really, ultimately, what you're trying to do is once one card, so a 3 by 2 grid, has been fully filled by the different players, it gets scored, and if you're color or if you have the most sort of you know um like little square tokens you put onto the, the cards if you've got most of them in there you gain that card and that card then represents another character with another polynomial shape or it's not even polynomial because they say they're not necessarily um continuous they're broken up as well so you're building your deck of cards that way and they also represent points as well so you're trying to get lots of them and ideally high value ones um, problem is high value ones are usually not quite as useful to to use. And yeah, so as I say, it's just one of those relatively simple games, very beautifully illustrated and about area control. So, you know, you're trying to fill up a lot of room as possible. And and if you you know fill up a card with most of your tokens, you get it. Otherwise, another player gets it. So, yeah, Roam by Red Raven Games.
0: <laughs> Lots of fun. Sounds really interesting. Like, I like the fact that basically, depending on where you're sitting, you have a different perspective. Yeah. on the table i think that's a, nice, a really and really nice idea it makes it kind of personal too um so kind of this is the the piece that you were putting together i like it yeah yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it sounds good fantastic stuff all right area control you say yeah well there's only one game <laughs> that, that came to mind for me um that's probably very more closer to the 60 minutes than the 30 minutes but i know we can play this in an hour and okay. this is concordia Ooh. from um pd verlag games um and yeah concordia you know what, what can i say it's ridiculously well and m- most people know what it is by now we can thank shut up and sit down for that <laughs> but concordia is the game yeah. with the world's <laughs> most boring cover art but um inside of it is a, a very cool game where you are romans and you're heading out to take over different territories um and kind of gain resources and that and become the most prominent um and whatnot by the end of the game yeah, it's the the basis of it's the most basic. I think it's so basic tra- trading in the Mediterranean game. I guess right, there's yeah. a ton of it uh, isn't really a ton of trading, but it is about claiming the section. Uh, you want to claim different parts um of the the board. They're they're beautiful, actually. I really like the boards in Concordia. Um, the cool thing about Concordia is there are multiple maps. Okay. Um, so you can buy expansions, with more maps. But each map behaves differently. It has its own special rule. Or a special way to play to score kind of extra things in it. And the, well, my favourite part of Concordia, I've, I've many, is that you start with a handful of cards and these are the actions you can perform. And so you play them in whatever order you like. So there'll be things like get money, um, send people out onto the map, um, put out a little house um, to claim your areas. Um, but you go through this hand of cards and at any point you can pick them all back up and put them back in your hand Okay. and it's a really simple mechanic but it's what makes concordia so brilliant because you know there's never any debate about what you can or can't do it's all right in front of you and then if you want to do something again already you need to kind of take them back up um, there's also ways to buy cards during the game and scoring is something you want to notice from the very 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 start of the game you score based on there's different colours um, at the bottom of your cards that indicate what type of scoring they adhere to. So some will be, you know, how many regions you control in the, the game and that will be equivalent to the number of cards of that colour um, that you have managed to gather throughout the game so that kind of stuff is yeah that kind of stuff is really important but i always forget it which is why i'm telling everybody now if you sit down to play concordia for the first time check how you score um (laughs) because otherwise it ruins it um but it's just it's a really lovely game it's great at all player counts um i don't think it takes too long to play i know we can play it in 60 minutes and even actually you can play it up to five and i've played it with five and it was only an hour and a half maybe a little bit more and they were first time playing it as well um, so it's timely, it's pretty, um, and it's very clever and simple all at the same time. So how could I not have Concordia as my area control game? It's just so good. Nice, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I've,
1: I've won a copy of that game, actually, and I've got it sitting Ooh. here on my shelf. I haven't <gasps> even unboxed oh God, go it yet because there's somebody. Uh, yeah, I, I was wondering mm. whether you might say that so okay i like area yes. control games i think our games group would like mm-hmm. that as well so yes. maybe that's one of the games i should start opening up and learning and you yeah should. tell everyone at the beginning yes it's the scoring <laughs> that matters <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah okay. it is it's the thing you have to watch for it. the other um sad thing to tell you is there won't be much of an unboxing <laughs> It's no, a board. Yeah, I and some inside. tokens. That's like it. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing in it to a box, unfortunately. But yeah, it's it's a really fun game. I think you'll really like it, Oliver. Um, okay. Report back next month and tell us how you got on with Concordia. I cannot wait to hear.
1: I- I'll try. It might not be next month, but we'll see. We've got so many games Sometime. still to play, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> um. All right. So, section the next. Um. I assume you're keeping up at home. Hopefully, you're all excited for this. And I'm gonna go with a. Tile game. So unsurprisingly, there's a lot of tile games, actually, when I thought about it. There was a good number of them. Yeah. But since I'm going with a lot of classics today between Magic the Gathering, Concordia, um, I couldn't not bring up Castles of Burgundy.
1: <laughs> oh nice, yeah, yeah. Um
0: yeah, so it had to fit in here somewhere. So yeah, I'm doing all the classics. Um so this is from um Ravensberger as well and the wonderful Stefan Feld. And this is the most boring game by description, a bit like the same way as Concordia, but the gameplay is what really makes it. So in Castles of Burgundy, you are kind of building out your lands. Um, You have your own player board, which is kind of a series of little hexagonal, they're not hexagonal though, little tiles, and... From a board you will draft these tiles and put them down onto your mat and depending on what type of tile you pick up it will do something special. So um, you can put down buildings, you can put out animals and as you put them out on your board they'll also score you points um, which is super important. So you play the game over um, a number of rounds mostly till you've kind of if filled out your board or at least it feels like. Um, And then you'll determine the winner um, based on that. Now, of course, there's more to it than that. I'm just oversimplifying for for the sake of it. Um, But what's fun about Castles of Burgundy is trying to fit the different sections of tiles out onto your board. And this comes from rolling dice. So which tiles you can pick up um, depend on what number of dice you've rolled. roll two at the start of each round um and then you get to go and put them out and that's the fun bit um i loved filling in the sections because there were bonuses when you completed parts of your board so if you completed all the bit that had the the water sections that was a bonus Um, and the same with kind of forests and things like that or finishing all the buildings so there's a real sense of kind of you're definitely playing your own game because you're just you know you're completing your board but there is a kind of a a communal board where you draft these tiles from and of course you know, that goes around the table in a particular order. So will you be able to get the one you want? Will someone else want this one before you? So there's a little bit of interaction there. Um, but mostly it's just a satisfying game to play. You're putting in your pieces, you're getting bonuses, and you're getting points all the time. And that's why Castles of Burgundy is a really good game for under 60 nice. minutes
1: good yeah it's a good contender <laughs> why i like are all that the good
0: games? <laughs> why are all the good games so boring i'm like let <laughs> me to explain why we're building a farm <laughs> you know um but it's good i swear it just doesn't sound good or look good it's a really ugly game even even the the new fancy version they released is ugly <laughs> so it's destined to be ugly forever
1: i've played it online on yakata and yeah it, it's good fun I've I'm still not quite worked out what the best strategy is, but I suppose it isn't. It depends on what comes out and what <laughs> order. That's the problem, isn't it? Mm. But yeah, it's good fun. And yeah, as I say, it looks very boring, but it's that puzzle <laughs> yeah. of, you know, what do you put where and then what where? order? And yeah, yes. it's very clever, very clever indeed. Mm-hmm.
2: It's fun.
1: Well, right. what tile game have I come up with? And I, I had a selection here, but I'm going to go with a lovely, fun... Well, I don't know about fun, but I think it's fun. I'm, I'm talking about Hanging Gardens... By handsome Glück or Rio Grande, depending on where you get mm-hmm. it from, and yeah, hanging gardens is the sort of idea of hmm, you are making a, a, a basically a, a giant garden, and you know you try and sort of follow the hanging gardens of Babylon, I suppose is is what the sort of background is. But really, what you're doing is you you start with a card which is again divided into two by three grid and um i think depending on the player count, i think there's you know, there's always four cards i think out except for the three-player games you can play this two to four players there's four cards out in the three-player game there's three cards out and, and again these cards are divided into two by three grid and then each part of that grid is then a different colored uh, garden so you have i think blue gardens and orange gardens and green gardens and things and, and some of the areas are empty as well so you might, again, it's more like, a, almost like a polynomial shapes that are on there. So you might have, you know, two, three blue gardens in a, in a, I don't know, in a corner shape or in a line or something like that. Or you might have a blue and a green and a red garden on there. And then you need to line them up and, and place them on, into your garden in such a way that any square of the sort of divided grid is on top of your existing garden. So you can't have them overhanging. So you can have the card overhanging if, if that bit that's overhanging is empty but if there's a garden sort of filled in, a color filled in, that has to be on top of your garden. And you you're basically trying to achieve a sequence of at least three um squares the same color. So that's you know vertically or horizontally connected, basically. And of course, if you, you know, have a card laid out there that already has three on there, you could basically place it in your garden and you can score that. And and the way that happens is also quite interesting. So you're basically placing a little um I don't know what is it. Is it like a little mini pyramid type thing on, on top of to sort of score that garden, and then depending on um, yeah, so the scoring itself gets more complicated. So for for three year garden, you don't mm-hmm. necessarily get points. You then actually draw another tile, and, and these tiles are again different types of colours, and you're trying to get sets of those. So even though you're trying to set, get sets of your gardens, you're actually more about the sets. It, that you then drawing <laughs> to score your points it sounds very confusing but once you play it i think <laughs> it's, it's quite clear the, the only the interesting bit is when you obviously score your garden so you put a pyramid on there which means you can't obviously place a card on top of it so you're sort of starting to block off your garden a little bit but there's only i think you get four pyramids in total so once you place your fourth pyramid you then take one off again so you sort of start cycling around them you're freeing up space again but you do have to think about where you want to put that pyramid to make sure you don't block it off and you don't have to you know score your garden as soon as you get three you might wait for four or five i think the maximum oh, radius is it. a length of six um, because if you draw if you have a garden at six long you basically draw a face down tile from the deck and then you can choose one of the other tiles uh, laying out there, and, and hopefully say you're creating sets and turtles you different color uh, tiles then give you different scores. You know, some some you need four four of them to get, get more points. Some you just need three of them, two of them. It sounds very complicated, but it's <laughs> that sort of tile laying uh, idea that you sort of laying things on top of each other, but also trying to expand your existing coloured gardens and and obviously not blocking yourself off. And you know, it's, it's a lovely little puzzle. And usually takes about forty five minutes to play, irrespective of player, player count. I would say, but obviously more players does tend to be a bit longer. And yeah, great for two players, played lots with my wife and, and a friend as well, but also great at, at four or three players. It's it just as much fun. So that hmm. is uh, The Hanging Gardens by, um, what, what did I say, Handsome Gluck or re-run yes. the Games?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned this one a lot. I really should look it up and check it out because it sounds like it's right up my street. Like I okay. love those games where you have to decide if you're going to score now or wait and see if you're going to score later. I think there's right, always yeah, a really yeah. interesting choice when you have to make those decisions. Like, do I want my my points now? But what if it gets better? What if it doesn't? Ah, indeed, you know. Indeed. Um. So it sounds it sounds like that kind of adventure. So that could be really really fun. Um. So I should look into it. Um, I love hearing about new games. Yeah, and, and I think <laughs> you'd, you'd
1: enjoy playing a two-player. I think it's it's hmm. almost the most fun in some ways because it's just the two of you and you're pitting your wins against each other. But as I say, it's just yeah. as much fun with a four-player, you know, a bigger group and, and you know, what, cool. what cards you're going to have be left with and all that. Yeah, so oh, Hanging okay, Gardens, cool. tile-lane game. Yes. Moving on to then deduction mm. or hidden information. I hope you got, you're <laughs> all still playing along. You know, 60 Minutes or Less, deduction, hidden information game. Have you come up with anything? Well, Mm -hmm. I've decided to go with QE, by board game tables. Mm -hmm. Now, hidden information deduction, I don't know. I think it does fit. (laughs) Let me explain. So QE stands for quantitative easing. And what you do is you're basically bidding for, I suppose, they represent companies. Um, you, You yourself represent a country. And I think, again, it's like two to four players. You play that, again, with these sort of games, the more there are of you, the better, I think, the more fun they are because you have more competition and you have to more thinking about who might be doing what and all that. So, yeah, so you a country, there is a set of tiles that's that's played out and that represents, as I say, a type of company, but really what it represents is it's an industry, a country, and I think there was a third one, which I can't remember now. And what you're trying to do is get the right company to to basically complete sets. So, um, if it's the a company from your country, it's probably worth quite a bit. So you probably want a bid quite high. If it's, uh, say, you are collecting a, a certain industry. So if you have like you know already collected two, I don't know, um, agriculture companies, then obviously getting a third one will be quite valuable for you. So you're trying to. C- basically complete sets at the end of the game so you're not scoring it immediately as you get the tiles but at the end of the game you, you work that out and the, the trick here though is that you can bid however much you want and everyone bids blind except the auctioneer so you basically take turns being the auctioneer and the auctioneer reveals the tile writes down a, a starting bid basically and then you can decide to bid higher bid bit lower there's some special conditions. If you bid zero, I think you get an extra point. So if you're definitely not after that tile or you know you're not going to win it, then you just bid zero and you get some points for that. But you can, as I say, you can bid as high as you want. You can bid millions, billions, whatever mm-hmm. you know, number you can make up. But the problem is at the end of the game, all the bids are added up and the player who's bid the most overall throughout the game is out of the game. So you want to <laughs> bid high, but not too high. And as I say, the bids are all, you know, kept secret uh, afterwards. So it's obviously once everyone's bid secretly, they're revealed and whoever's bid. Actually, they're not even revealed. The the auctioneer looks at all the bids and basically gives the tile to whoever bid the most, which is, again, interesting. So you think, okay, that person obviously bid higher than me because I didn't win the tile. But how much higher did they bid? And then how much have they bid? throughout the game so as you come towards the end of the game you're thinking well maybe i should bid higher just so i get some tiles and i'll probably be safe so you just have to sort of guess and and work out what people have bid and how crazy they might have gone bidding on things so yeah it's good fun and the games i've played you, you end up bidding more and more and more because everyone just goes crazy thinking i'm just gonna gonna go for it now who cares you know <laughs> they've, they've probably bid a million pounds so i'm gonna you know, bid two million it's, it's gonna be fine <laughs> Yeah, so Q.E. <laughs> by board game table is one of those, as I say, hidden information in the sense of you don't know what the yeah. other players necessarily bids. You have to try and work it out and hmm. guess.
0: Okay, I know. I see. I see where you've put this in there. That game sounds actually really hilarious. i I. I wonder how my friends would play that. Would they all bid silly money, assuming that the rest of us would bid silly money? Yeah. Or would everyone <laughs> be really miserly? I know I'd be miserly. I would bid very little money. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I'd like to... I kind of like to see that play out. So it sounds kind of fun. Definitely like a nice kind of a social kind of thing, you know, where you're wondering what everyone else has been doing or what they're thinking, you know?
1: Definitely, um, yeah,
0: yeah. Very good.
1: So what game have you come up with?
0: See, once we get to the over 60 minutes, I'm all right. And I was okay for the under 30 minutes, but um, I'm really <laughs> scraping the barrel with this. Mm. So um, apologies in advance. But I'm going with Time Stories.
1: Oh, nice, yeah.
0: And... I'm specifically saying that you're not going to because you're not it's not intended for you to complete the entire time story story in one go. So I'm talking yep. about like a single run you could probably do in under an hour, but not like, you know, I finished this adventure. Um, so for those of you uninitiated, Time Stories is a game in which you are you play as a group together and you're sent kind of cooperatively um, on a, a mission. So into a particular period in time. So if you've seen Quantum Elite before, you know what this game is about. (laughs) And you play together and you will reveal particular cards um, as you solve kind of parts of the mystery. Because I I can't really give away a lot about this. Um, But there'll be things to solve. And what basically the shtick of this game is is that you can follow all the outs, but it may not lead you to the end of the, the story. You may not figure it all out, but you'll learn certain bits each time you run through it. So when you finish the, the first story, and let's say you don't make it, you don't solve it, then you'll start again. But you'll have learned some things from the paths you have chosen this time. So maybe next time you'll choose different paths so you can unfold more of the adventure. So kind yeah, of like yeah. choose your own adventure books, that kind of style. So it's been a good while now since I played Time Stories, but I had a lot of fun with it on the, the times we did play it. But it can get repetitive because you do go through the same story each time so let's say you get what you feel you get most of everything figured out so you're doing mostly the same things this time but you didn't quite get to the end step so then you have to run through yeah. all of that again to you know to actually complete it so my husband wasn't a fan of that part but i liked it a lot i liked the fact that i knew exactly where i was supposed to go to achieve what outcomes at what time and of course then you had to remember what they were <laughs> so you're right, like yeah, this yeah. man yeah. spoke to us were we supposed to choose option a or option b <laughs> um so there's that and then there was the time we played an entire uh, mission and we randomly guessed our way to the end in the first go um there was <laughs> right. a code we were supposed to unlock and we randomly guessed what the code was without having figured it out from the rest of the story um,
2: Excellent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's that but um i think it's a it's a really like it's, it, there's nothing quite like it i think now more games have come along with the exit series and all that have come along since then um but time stories was kind of the first to do this whole you know choose your own adventure game together
2: yeah
0: um and i think it does it i think it actually it does it really well so and you could do a single run in that time frame um while you're (laughs) you know deducing from the hidden information (laughs) so there we go time stories
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, that's a good one. I, I I give you that definitely. It's a, it's a good representation of sort of the sort of deduction, hidden information mm-hmm. games. And there's loads of them now as well as in a different yeah. sort of chapters or whatever they call them. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's one of those games once you've played it a couple of times, well, all the way through, I'd say, obviously, you will keep playing it all the time again and again. Yes. That's the whole point of the game. But once you've actually solved yeah. it once, you might You're want done. to play it a second time just to explore certain things or you might have forgotten mm-hmm. by then. But, you know, yeah, if you sure. get bored, you can then go for the next installment next of story. time stories and yeah. yeah it's yeah it's definitely mm-hmm. a good one i've not played it but i've heard lots of good things about it definitely
0: yeah it's a it's a special nice. I, th- I think maybe some of the kind of the newer escape room style games maybe do it better as in um yeah. not necessarily better but kind of more self-contained more in in a quicker way yeah, yeah. um but time stories is it's is still pretty solid so um the next section we're on to which is definitely easier to tackle is resource management
2: yay how did
0: you feel about this one i hope you felt that, yeah exactly resources yay i was like what games have got cubes yeah. but um i did not go for cubes actually or wait did i no. i went for meeples i went for meeples okay. i have there going it's that been can. so long there since i've had this. and this is key flower from r&d games
2: yeah um, i do
0: love 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 Keyflower. it's just such a clever game and what Keyflower is about is you're kind of you're building your village and you're bidding for tiles and um, to add to your village to you know get you more resources and things like that but you do this all through a series of colored meeples um and those colored meeples control all the type of actions you're allowed to do so they come in primary colors so if you want to bid on a tile to put into your village, you can place a yellow meeple on it. And only someone else can bid on it if they can put two yellow meeples on it instead. No. Um, so there's this kind of limitation on the amount of um, the amount of meeples you can have on a tile, and they must all be the same color. So you also use meeples to activate the buildings in your village. So that's how you get resources, which you can turn into things like victory points and such there it's played over four seasons and then the final season is when you will score um but the cool thing about the game is that you'll know some of what scores at the end of the game at the very start of the game okay. and it's up to you to decide if you want to actually use that there are tile you put in your village so in the like the final in in um, what comes after autumn winter um you, play, <laughs> they, you place out all those tiles you had at the start of the game everybody has some and they're placed out for bidding on to be able to score by yeah. um so key flower is very simple it's very smart and it's got a really interesting way of player engagement where it doesn't feel mean or steely but you are kind of engaging with engaging with each other right. so for yep. instance you can use your opponent's tiles in their village um, with whatever color meeple you like and then they may not be able to use it themselves if they don't have a matching meeple um, so right. there's this kind of push and pull between the players without it feeling nasty so Keyflower is definitely one of my favorite resource management games and I think you can play it in about an hour
1: and there's loads of games in the key series as well that do similar mm. things some are yes. probably more complex some are different they're just different but they're all they're the yeah. same sort of idea you know you use meeples of certain colors and then you can put potentially use someone else's you know tiles and things, but then they mm-hmm. get the meepled, so you you lose yes. the benefit of that, and yeah, all that sort <laughs> of stuff. Very clever. Yeah, as you say, mm-hmm. it is. It is lots of player interaction, but it doesn't necessarily feel mean, even though it is yeah. mean in some way. But mm. you know, whoever yes. basically <laughs> at the other end gets a benefit potentially as well. So it's not you know, oh. not quite so bad. It's true. Otherwise. It's
0: not too bad. Nice. Not too bad. All right.
1: So, I've gone for well, I don't know whether it's a classic, but um let's Ooh. go with viticulture by Stomai oh, yes. games. Now, resource management hmm, yes, the real yes. resources you do using in viticulture is pretty much grapes, wine. really? wine. you know, so you're yeah. basically building up vineyards. you you're starting out as a young family or not even a family. I think it's just mama and papas on there. Yeah. That, you know <laughs> the theme is sort of in that sense probably matters less. But yeah, your resource management there is is your grapes, and, and you're trying to make sure you got, um, obviously money is another resource in this game, you're basically starting with a vineyard that's blank. You can then sell certain fields if you want to make money out of them, to then buy other things, or you start Planting vines. Some of the vines need certain um, buildings there, like you know, irrigation. You know, some some grape types of grapes basically need more water, so you have to build an irrigation before you can plant those. Other vines are probably a bit more you know relaxed and, and they can be planted anywhere. And then you go through the seasons and and the board is actually divided into about well, two sections. So spring is just more of a sort of admin phase where you're bidding on who basically goes first uh, by choosing a certain benefit so you might need a certain benefit but then you will go later in the round or you decide to maybe not get quite as valuable benefit but you want to go first so again you have to decide which order you want to do certain things but you need to go somewhere first and the reason why you want to go first potentially is that the then spaces in summer uh, and all the other worker placements there, so there's worker placement happening as well, they're actually limited. So once a worker is placed somewhere, no one else can go there. So you put, potentially want to go first to do a certain action before everyone else. The only exception is your so-called grande worker. And and that worker is actually bigger than everyone else physically in the game. The the you know the little meeple is bigger. <laughs> and that grande worker can go anywhere. So even if someone is already there, even if someone else's grande worker is already there, they can still go there. So you've got to sort of get out clause. If if you've forgotten something, you can potentially use them. But you only got one of those, so you do have to think about it. And then you go into autumn where you're drawing cards that give you certain benefits there's cards involved as well that that allow you to give points some of the cards represent the vines others represent what they call visitors well basically sort of usually one off benefits that that give you certain things and you have to think about when you can play those and then you go into the winter phase actually i've got the wrong way around isn't it but anyway um there's another (laughs) phase and where you then do further actions i think it's the winter phase and then you basically finish the year and you go into the next year and you keep going around. And, and there's no sort of number of rounds by which the game ends. The, the aim of the game is to get to a certain number of points. And as soon as someone gets to that number of points, the end of the game is triggered. And I think you just finish a round. So it's possible that you know you might reach, I don't know, I don't know what the threshold is, like 15 points or something like that someone can still overtake you. So just because you got there first doesn't mean you win the game. You need to try and yeah. get as many points as possible. It's just a game-end trigger. Mm-hmm. And it's quite quite pretty because, as I say, you, you've got your grapes that you harvest, basically, at some point, if you do the harvest action. And then they go into your little um, barrels or mash tons, or <laughs> not what they're called, basically, where you're stamping them into the, the juice. Um, and then they can mature in there. And then they go into your wine cellar where they mature further. And I think a lot of the game is about managing the grapes Yes. Of course, obviously, worker placement is important as well. But to me, is is that part of it, that, that resource management in the sense of grapes, which I think is quite quite different to other games. It's not just, are you accumulating more and more wine, and that means you can buy more things. No, you have to think about where, you, where the wine goes, how long you leave it in there, to then be able to turn it into wine that you sell, so you, you can draw cards that represent contracts that mean you have to have certain types of wine there. So it's that part of which I find quite clever, sort of things happening over time, maturing the wine and trying to make it better and deciding when to do what so viticulture maybe mm-hmm. not the sort of traditional resource management game in the classic oh, sense is. of having lots of different cubes as you say but i think there is enough of a resource <laughs> management in there especially the money as well money tends to be tied and i think it it probably is a worthwhile um, representative of the category there <laughs> yeah. yes Absolutely. viticulture by stonema yeah. games
0: <laughs> oh yeah it's definitely resource management you've all those wines you're taking off the care of that are aging yeah. in the barrels i'm trying to figure exactly. out do you have a rosé a red or a white or what do i mix to get the blush wine Uh, yeah um it's been a long time since i played viticulture but every time we played it i would get confused about which combo of wines would make the fancier wines (laughs) every time i'd be like do i not have a rosé and they're like no you've the sparkling one i'm like what
2: oh god Um,
0: but yeah it's definitely resource management for sure like it's a worker placement too but yeah you definitely have to manage a lot of things um but yeah it's been a while since i thought about viticulture actually it's a good that's a really good choice
1: yeah there we go that's why (laughs) i think it's it's almost a classic classic game there have been different editions of it as well so Mm
2: -hmm. worth
1: having a look now that means we're moving on to the next category party games and I've struggled with party games in the thirty-minute bracket. I'm I'm struggling with six, <laughs> sixty-minute party games, and I don't know what we're going to do with sixty-plus-minute party games. We shall see.
0: Werewolf. Um, I don't know. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, I don't know. There's some sort of social game. Can, <laughs> Who
0: knows? Oh, actually,
1: I've just thought of one. I shouldn't say that. I'll leave. I'll leave that for keep the sixty-plus one. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Um, I think one of the criteria usually is for party games that you can play with lots and lots of people. And none of the games I've got in this category you can play with lots and lots of people. <laughs> but I've chosen a game that I think is one that you can explain to anyone pretty quickly. It has lots of appeal. It's quite tactile. It's a lot of luck involved as well. And it's it's just fun. I think That's why I put it into the party game category, even though probably a lot of you will disagree. So so let me know whether you think Quacks of Quedlinburg (laughs) is a party game. (laughs) game. Probably not, but I'm just squeezing it in there. And (laughs) it's -hmm. just just one of those games you can literally, it it looks great on the table. You've got your cauldron in the middle. You've got a bag of ingredients that you try and place into your cauldron and you don't know what you're drawing. So you keep pushing your luck. Thinking, right, am I going to go for one more? Is it going to be a cherry bomb? Is my pot going to be exploding? Or, you know, am I going to be safe? And (laughs) then at the end, you're hoping that you can buy more ingredients to improve what you've got. And everyone's doing the same. Everyone's looking at each other, thinking, all right, what have they got? How far have they got? Okay, maybe I should draw another one. And it's just that element, I think. As I say, very visually appealing, tactile. Yeah. You know, everyone laughs when someone's pot explodes um, <laughs> and, you know, there isn't a huge amount you can do to control. It. Yeah, there's, everyone's got their strategies. Should I go for the yellow tokens <laughs> or not? Or, you know, should I go for more pumpkins? And I'm sure everyone's yes. got their best strategies there. But really, at the end of the day, it's just fun playing it and drawing tiles. <laughs> and that's what happens <laughs> most of the time, getting yeah. the ingredients into your pot and, and hoping for the best. So, yeah, Quacks of yeah. Quedlinburg by Schmidt Spiele is my party game
0: <laughs> i completely agree with you it's got a party feel and it, as you say it's one you can actually play with a, a big enough number it goes up to five doesn't it
1: yes it does yeah, yeah
0: and then it's everyone just dipping in the bag placing out the things like i agree with you that feels like a party game to me i think it's a really good yeah, choice yeah. i love quacks Thank um you. <laughs> yeah and it's one you pull out when a, when a bunch of people come around too because it's just so easy yeah. i think there's something very good about it so yeah very impressed with that I have a definitely kind of more traditional definition of, uh, well, not definition, yeah. but um, kind of set up <laughs> yeah. here for my party game strategy. And it's only because I happen to own a copy of Wits and Wagers, um, Vegas edition. Right. Okay. <laughs> I yeah, specifically yeah. put in the Vegas edition because I think it takes longer to play with it. So Wits and Wagers is a trivia game in which you don't have to know the answer, but you get to bet on who you think is closest to the answer because it's all about numbers. It's about getting as close as possible to the numerical answer without going over and betting on it. Um, The Vegas edition comes with a really fancy mat, and we liked Wits and Wagers so much. I think it's the first playmat I ever got. Um, and it looks like a betting table in vegas and you can not only bet on each other's guesses but you can bet on odds or evens um like black and red or things like that there's other okay. betting options for you know people who understand that stuff um which isn't yeah. necessarily me but wits and wagers is always <laughs> a really great party game i think it's just fun because it is like it is a trivia game so it's got that going for it but that fact that you're guessing yeah like you don't have to know the yeah, answer yeah. someone else can know it and you just have to know that Um, I think lends itself really well to parties and also to the whole bidding bit Um, and that's why that is my slightly longer uh, but just as good (laughs) party game
1: nice so yeah
0: party games although I I seem to have a big enough section of them but we never play them so (laughs) 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 Uh, it's a funny one for sure some of
1: those
0: I know, so from party game on to strategy game like could we go from one end of the spectrum to another, yes we (laughs) can to the other (laughs) Um, so I think strategy game I think there's a lot of these, I had a hard time picking one out of all of them so I looked down my shelves and I went, which one will come with me to the podcast today? And the winner is Bruges, um, which is also from Stefan yes. Feld. and um, was published by Z-Man Games. And Bruges could also technically have been the card game section, I, I suppose, because yes, it's a card game. And if you look at the cover, it's another boring medieval European town. Um, I'm a big fan of those. <laughs> um and so what Bruges is about is that you're in the town of Bruges and you're recruiting nobles to your house. Um, they all have cards. Um, the nobles do, and each of the nobles is special in some way or another that will help you score victory points. Okay. Um, the fun thing about it is is that the car the nobles all come in particular colors. Um, depending on what kind of house they're from, and on the back of each card is also a house. So you need to have a house in play to put your noble in on the house um and you have a limited number of cards each turn so you have to decide do i want to play this noble do i want to turn them upside down so they can be a house for somebody else or also do you want to activate perhaps some of the nobles you've already put in play okay and apart from all that there are a couple of other small things you can worry about specifically disasters that randomly happen the city so there's like a number. There's a dice that gets rolled, and it'll roll a particular type of token. And when there are three of them, something bad will happen. So like, you're, there'll be a fire, um, and you'll lose one of your nobles. so there'll be a flood, and one of your wow, houses okay, yeah, will yeah. go away. Um, and you can also build some of the canals in Bruges on the board yourself, and there are prizes for you know whoever gets the furthest long in that. But most of it is kind of tableau building and seeing the interactions between your cards. Mm-hmm. So like this card will say, you know, get X number of points for every noble you have in play that kind of thing um but the strategy part is, is of course is that you've so few actions you can actually do on a turn money is very tight and deciding when and how to lay everything out in the right order is kind of important um so i really like it i just i love the fact that all the cards are unique that all the cards are a different character they all have right, unique yeah, art. Yep. they all do something special so you're like oh well, you know what? what's this do oh that'll work really <laughs> good with that um, so it's got that cool feeling and the course of course like all staff and foul games you're always getting points so it always feels good yeah um and that is why i chose Bruges as my strategy game for under 60 minutes
1: nice yeah definitely mm. strategy involved if you have to think about what what to do when and what order that's that's definitely yeah. a good one well <laughs> i've gone with something um which i think is probably could also be an area control game almost and this is on the underground and i've gone for the london berlin ah. version because obviously i come from berlin so that's Yay. why i went for that and that's by Ludi Creation. Mm-hmm. so on the underground london berlin you've got two maps there you've got the london underground map and the berlin underground map and what you're doing is really basically starting with the blank slide so imagine the uh say, it's the London Underground, but there's no tracks. All the tunnels are there and everything else is in place. It's quite a weird game, really, if I think about it. I think (laughs) my reviewer wrote something similar. So basically, empty tunnels, no tracks laid. And and your job is basically to lay those tracks and build those tunnels, I suppose, and, and start running some trains. And basically what happens on your turn, there will be probably four different destinations that a person wants to get there. The person starts at a very specific point at the very beginning of the game, and then randomly four stops on the underground map are chosen. And depending on colors, there's like white and yellow stops as well. Um, But we're not going to go into that too much. But basically, you're trying to lay track that allows that passenger to go along and get to their destination using your track. Now, the thing is, obviously, at the beginning of the map is empty, so that you won't be able to lay track necessarily from one end to the other at the very beginning, because on your turn you can only actually do four actions usually. Um, that means you could lie, lay four different pieces of track, and as you can imagine, track obviously can't be interrupted, so once you start somewhere you have to extend that line in one direction or the other. So you have to, at the very beginning you probably end up laying some track that's sort of halfway in between, so that the passenger will have to walk until they reach your line, and then they jump on your train go so far and then probably jump off again to get to the destination but obviously as the game develops more and more tracks being laid and you end up with a sort of network of routes that um, then create connections so maybe at some point the, the best route for the passenger will be to jump onto your train to a certain stop then jump onto another player's train and then maybe change again to reach their destination and there are certain ways of how that's actually decided what track they use but it's, it's that, trying to work out where to lay tracks. And, and the map is also limited. So certain sections, you can only have one track on there. Other sections, like in London, the sort of, imagine the circle line. Some of the regions, basically, you can have like up to four different tracks on there. So making making a bit more room. So you do have to think where you lay your track first. And you also, depending on player count, you have like two, three or four different colored lines as well. So you can potentially start in two or three or four different places. But as I say, once you started. certain color you have to then extend outwards in one direction or the other you can't branch off immediately there's another way of branching off as well but that's the principle of it and yeah you end up with a really sort of convoluted network of of uh, train lines and working out where mm-hmm. to go next and there's a bit of a luck element because the destinations are they they're chosen at random so you you can't quite plan but you can as i say see oh, there's certain choke points maybe i should build here first to make sure that i can still reach the other destination i don't get cut off so it's, imagine a bit of so I suppose ticket to ride where you can cut other players off mm-hmm. uh, on the tracks but and as I say, on the underground, usually as a way of getting around. So, you know, if, even if you don't go in that direction, you can go maybe in the other direction because you know, there'll be crossings and things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, on the underground, London-Berlin is a yeah strategy game in that sense. Uh, maybe not strategy in sort of um, the sort of traditional sense, but yeah, certainly you have to think ahead and work out where you want to go and which tracks you want to lay mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff.
0: Fantastic.
1: so yeah we're coming towards the end now i hope you are all still playing with us play, yes. playing along i hope you found some games that fit the different categories and mm-hmm. remember do get in touch get on the website tabletopinquisition.com and let yes. us know or find us on twitter and we'd mm-hmm. love to see your lists so yes. there's two more categories mm-hmm. and the next one is most unusual game yes so thirty to sixty minutes, most unusual. Now <laughs> I've come up with one that's recently come out f- from Kickstarter. Well the I think the campaign finished a while, but I've recently received mm-hmm. it in the post, and that is Canvas. Oh yeah. A really unusual game because you are supposed to be an artist and you're making a painting that then gets into entered into competition and basically gets certain rosettes for different criteria. So criteria could be composition or color scheme or symmetry and things like that and on your turn you basically um take well so, so the, the, the picture the final picture or the final painting will actually be made up of three different transparent cards that have different sort of parts of the picture paint or printed on them so as you overlay them you you create a composition of, of three different elements if you like and you then combine it with a colored background to actually create that final painting and it looks really good you know once you've got your sort of transparent cards in there and you sleeve them you end up with a really sort of weird strange interesting painting it's quite creative that process i quite like that very visually appealing and, and very different in that sense and it also creates a name so again there's Pass piece. There's two words basically printed. Well, usually one word printed on each card, but as you overlay them, you might end up with a two-word painting. So you have a title, and then you score that painting. Now you think, well, how are you going to score that? Well, really, what what's happening here is each card has uh, a set of colors printed underneath as well with symbols. So there's potentially up to four colors on each card, and as you overlay them again, you might be covering up colors at the bottom of the, the card if you like, um, and the symbols there, and you try and again trying to create a certain combination of symbols and colors to then be able to score the criteria so i don't know off the top of my head but let's say for example symmetry for symmetry you need three triangles on your final painting so you try and layer them up and you can potentially score several criteria as well so if one criteria is to make sure that you have one of each color so you have got you know all the four colors at the bottom as well as three triangles again if you layer them up in in the right way you might be able to achieve that with one painting, and then you get rosettes for them, they, at the end of the game, are worth points. And that's where, it, I think, unfortunately, ends up being more of an abstract game rather than a visual game. I think that, the, unfortunately, with this game, the sort of visual appeal sort of falls by the wayside quite quickly when you realise that you're really just looking at the colours at the bottom and making sure you, you get the right combinations of symbols and colours. So that's a bit of a shame, but it's certainly unusual. And when you get at the box and, and you start, you know, I think... If you play with someone, you'll probably find they just start grabbing these overlays and start making their paintings and not actually playing the game. And I think that's always a good sign that, you know, you're sort of inspired as soon as you take it mm-hmm. out of the box and people look at them and go, oh, yeah, I'm going to play with this. And, oh, I'm going to make this painting. So that's <laughs> canvas that's recently come out. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's very unusual. I've not come across something like that, really.
0: Uh, What I want to know is, did you hang it on your wall? Because I believe that the box (laughs) for canvas has a slot so it can be hung up like a piece of art, Um, which I think is both amazing and unusual.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've I've got the version that came with uh, little easels so you can actually put your painting up on an easel. So I think there's like four or five easels in there. So if you really like something, yeah, if you you don't want to play the game or you finish playing the game, rather, you can, you know, put Aww. the best paintings up on your mantelpiece <laughs> or something like that. That's and then awesome. it looks very pretty. So it's visually mm-hmm. very stunning and the mm-hmm. illustrations are very good and it's very clever. And as I say that the paintings do look cool at the end of it and the names mm-hmm. of them, you think, oh yeah, this is, you know, it, it sort of makes perfect sense. But unfortunately mm-hmm. the gameplay itself sort of dist- distracts really from yeah. that. So yeah. Oh,
0: that's a shame. Um, all right. So most unusual. Um, I had two choices here and um you'll have to stick with me because when I when I say what the is, you go, oh there's nothing unusual about that. But I assure you this <laughs> game is, is most strange and unique. Um and this is Root from later games. Oh yeah. So Root is a is a is a game about woodland creatures. Um and they're in the wood. It's a game of you know um of of factions and of course trying to win. And the unusual thing about Root is that every faction has a different way to win have their own vernacular um in terms and things like that about how they interact with the game board how they interact with other factions and things like that and it is both a curse and a blessing um because on the one hand roosh is really cool because you are doing your own thing um and and your faction is doing something different to everybody else's and this is your way of doing things Um, The problem with that, however, is that it means it's very hard to understand what everybody else is doing because it's so different. And so you're all going about trying to, um, to win, to get victory points like everybody is and everyone has a different way of doing it. But to really master Root, you really need to understand what everyone else is doing to be able to kind of intercept their plans um, and deal with them in their own way. And the more I think about Root and the more I play it, the more I realize it really is such an unusual concept. Like, I can't think of another board game where I was like, I can't really explain to you how to play this because i'm playing it completely differently mm, yeah,
2: yeah so like
0: i said it's about it's both a it's both a charm and it's both like a, a, a it it's makes the game un, difficult and unusual yeah. but how it's put together is very strange i can't think of anything else that is like it and when it you get it right it's so right the way it all interlocks together yeah. is is <laughs> super yeah. super smart but it's just so unusual <laughs> it's just so unusual and it just seems to be like later games kind of trademark yeah and Um, Where you know everybody, like the asymmetry is so different that we're um, we're not necessarily speaking the same languages, but it adds something to the game that difference, um, and it somehow brings you all together. So that's why I think Root's a very unusual game, despite it being about adorable woodland creatures.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, very good. I think it's weird.
0: So weird. It is. It is very
1: unusual. I've played a few times now, and as you say, even though we are all playing on the same map. And we're all basically doing the same sort of actions. I think we mean, yes. ultimately those base rules are the same for everyone. Mm. Everyone does completely different things. Mm. It is yes, absolutely bizarre. And yet it works. It works absolutely yes. perfectly. It's mm-hmm. crazy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's so it's such a strange such a strange game, but um I love it nonetheless. Um, so yeah, so that was definitely most unusual. So I don't know what everyone yeah. else is gonna say for this. I would love to hear about more unusual games. Um, please yes, write in please. and tell us. I love the weird, the wacky and the crazy. I'll play it all. Um, so I'd love to know what jumps out at you guys as being something unusual. Um, so we yeah. have a bonus category to add today because as I sat here with Oliver and we looked through the list, <laughs> I was like... <laughs> There's something hmm. missing because I, I assumed yes. Oliver would add it. Oliver assumed maybe I would add it, but so we <laughs> have to add a category, right? So uh, this is Tableau Games. Yeah. And of course, the honorary title is just going straight to Wingspan because it didn't fit <laughs> into the other categories. <laughs> How could we leave Wingspan out yeah. in games under sixty minutes? I don't think either of us could have done that in good conscience.
1: No, no, exactly. Um, yeah. So
0: I'm just gonna sh- I'm just gonna shove it in there at the end. If you haven't heard of Wingspan, I don't know where you've been. <laughs> um it's a game about birds and you play birds into your reserve to get points and they're beautiful and it's fun and everybody seems to like it well most people seem to enjoy it Um, it's very chill very entertaining definitely look it up (laughs) or read one of our reviews
1: I was going to say, there's probably so many reviews out there, ours, <laughs> and we've talked about it. Well, I certainly have talked about it so many times in previous know, episodes of the do. podcast. So, so it yeah. had
0: to get in here somehow.
1: <laughs> it is definitely something we had to mention. And I think yes. we're going to leave it at Wingspan as well. I'm sure there's other mm-hmm. Tableau games that we can think no, of. No, we'll call it Wingspan We'll leave it today. up to you maybe to add to the list. So again, mm-hmm. let us know what what games have you come up with, all different categories. And mm-hmm. I'm going to quickly just repeat them all just yes. in case you want to tick it off your list if you, if you have been playing along, which would be amazing. <gasps> Board
0: game so bingo.
1: We started with co-op games, then dice yeah. games, word games, dexterity games, card games, area control games, tile games, deduction, hidden information games, resource management games, party games, strategy games, most unusual games, and now tableau building games. Yeah. So yeah. these are the 13 a... categories that mm-hmm. we've chosen Yes. And we'll see for the next episode when we do <laughs> 60 minutes plus whether plus. we're going to change the categories around a little bit. We'll see. Mm. And again, if you can think of any categories we should add or yes. maybe... Some take them out. If you didn't really didn't like them, I don't know. Although I'm still not sure, about Dexterity <laughs> games last more That's than an hour. hour. I don't know. They probably <laughs> are. But we'll see. We'll have to put our heads together and see what happens. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Let us know what you think if there are any categories mm-hmm. we should add for the next episode when we talk Absolutely. about 60-minute-plus games. But yeah, I, yeah. I'm glad that you joined us. All so there was a lot of fun again mm. going through these lists. <laughs> see if you agree with us or whether you think mm-hmm. maybe Quacks of Quedlinburg isn't a part of the game and I was oh. maybe squeezing it a bit too hard in that category oh. do let us know what you think yes. it's lovely to hear and um mm-hmm. yeah get in touch so thanks very yeah. much for listening
0: yeah thanks so much for listening oliver summarizes everything much better than i do i was like i've nothing left <laughs> to say oliver has just said it all uh, but of course as always thank you for being here with yes. us i really want <laughs> to hear what games other people recommend maybe there's something i could uncover um and also is there anyone out there still playing magic the gathering and do you have a bank balance yeah. <laughs> i'd like to know write in and tell me <laughs> i i okay. yeah. send us <laughs> pictures
1: of your collection <laughs> yes
0: yes exactly we uh, that would just be fun yeah brilliant so yeah so um tune in again next time um for another episode where we're hopefully going to talk about you know games that take longer than this and we'd love to hear all yeah. your thoughts on that too so yeah thanks everybody thanks very much thanks for listening we'll see you soon then bye-bye bye-bye,
1: bye-bye.